Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Force Fan Podcast, on our website at forcefanpodcast.com, and on your favorite podcast app. You're off to something. If you come with us, you're in this life for good. Who are these guys? What do you think? Well, what do you know? You might want to buckle up, baby. Inspired by a galaxy far, far away, you're listening to Fans of the Force Podcast. Star Wars fans, thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Fans of the Force Podcast. I am your moderator, the handsome and um, vacation-ready John K. Frederick. And with me are my co-hosts in the Force, Adrian and Cat Ray. Hey, hey, y'all. What's up? Hey, guys. Vacation-ready, John? I'm vacation-ready, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm counting down the seconds till uh, I go on vacation. Thing that's cool. Where are you going again? Uh, going to New Orleans and spending a couple days there. And then I am taking my very first ever cruise to Cozumel and Progreso. Ooh. You're going to have so much fun. So Mexico, here I come. And then back to New Orleans for more jambalaya and crawfish and, and yeah. shrimp etouffee and... Yes. Muffalettas and catfish and oh, I can't wait. Beignets, beignets, baby. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and and it's all you know. It's my my mother and stepfather's fortieth anniversary, and so a bunch of us are going down there and and having a good time. It's it's going to be swell. Right on, man. Sounds fabulous. So I'm excited for that, but before that, I'm more excited for this podcast. Today, we've got a great episode, I think, for you. Tons of Star Wars news, and uh, and we'll announce our contest and lay out the details on our contest. Uh, so what do you say we just hop right into it? Sound good? Sounds good to me. Take it away with some Star Wars news. This week in our Galactic Geek Out, there's a lot going on in Star Wars world. On May 4th, a new Force for Change campaign was launched, and it raised a million dollars for UNICEF in just 24 hours, which is pretty oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the ultimate goal, was to raise a million dollars, and so they did it in 24 hours. So you can... the. The whole part behind the campaign was you you roared for change and did your best Chewbacca roar and posted that on the internet, on social media. So that's pretty awesome that they were able to raise so much money in 24 hours. Okay, quick. Everybody do their best Chewbacca right now. Cat Rico. Oh, no, I can't. (laughs) I can't. Oh, play along. (laughs) That's beautiful. That is awesome, Wookie. That was that was no. that was Chewbacca gargling some nice yeah. blue milk. So you know what? He's refreshed, I, and it, it's all good. It, it it makes sense. I like it. Good uh, job. Yeah, John, go. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's mine. Very good. That very good, very sir. Good. All right. Yes. Well, thank you very much. 
There we go. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Anyway, sorry. Continue, cat. I like blue milk too. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, as we quote unquote predicted last week, um, solo tickets did go on sale May fourth. Yes. Yeah. Although, right. because because none of us are in the Eastern time zone, it was all before midnight. So technically, I think we bought all our tickets on May 3rd. Um, and yes, you know, Kat, I, I, got- I get to thank you again for that. Because I was going to wait until the morning. Because that's when I assumed they'd go on sale. Or at some point the next day. <laughs> I Happy owe you big time. You saved me. Because I, I, I bought the tickets, perfect seats, the ones I always go for. Literally, like, two minutes later, I refreshed the, the, the site. All the seats around me were filled up. Whoa. Wow. So. Well, good. I'm I'm glad I was able to help you get your perfect seats for Solo. So, on behalf of me, my friend, and my, my family that's going along with me, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You thank are you. welcome. I'm glad I was on Twitter at the appropriate time to catch that and let everybody know. <laughs> Um, along those lines, um, with the tickets going on sale, the advance, the tickets sales that they're seeing are second only so far in the year behind Avengers Infinity War. So there are a lot of people that are pumped to see this movie, contrary to reports of the Star Wars franchise demise. Dude, that is bonkers. like people are curious. Yeah. Yeah. Greatly exaggerated. It very. No, nobody wants um, to see this movie, right? They with, just bought tickets to go no. hate on it, right? I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, and again, with those ticket sales, uh, Solo is currently, they're currently projecting it to make around $170 million over opening weekend, which would be very good. Yeah, it would. Oh, if it if it did, I believe the article that I read in Fortune said that that would set a record for a Memorial Day weekend showing. So that that's taking that, into account the money. the three days, right? Uh, ooh, that I'm not 100% sure about. Okay. Sorry, that was a bit of a technical thing. Like, yeah, but no, that's, that's cool. Like, I'm glad it's doing so well already. It's not even out yet. Just restore some faith in me. Yes. Yeah, I kept uh, the faith all along. I said that th- this was going to be just another home run for Disney. And uh, so far, so good. Totally called it. Indeed. Um, it was announced today that StarWars.com is going to stream, live stream, the solo world premiere red carpet on oh, Thursday, cool. May 10th at 5 oh, p.m. Wow. Pacific Standard Time. Ugh. So if you are interested in that, um, you can tune in and watch the red carpet there. And the hosts of the Star Wars show, Andy Gutierrez and Anthony Carboni, will be hosting that. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, uh, in are you guys slightly not annoyed at how early they're doing the red carpet? That seems 
excessively early. Right? It really does. Like it's a whole well, like, still I think two we weeks have to re- before it. I think we have to remember, though, that it's also going to be shown at the Cannes Film Festival. Yes. And so they're probably doing it ahead of that, I would guess. Oh, I bet you're right. I bet it's got more to do with that than than anything. Yeah. I'm just saying, that's two weeks where people will have seen this movie. And yes, there will be embargoes. the general audience. Yeah, there will be embargoes in in place, but there's always like a nerf or two out there that... You know, they, it's a little spark, a little little spoily spark that then turns mm-hmm. into this spoilerific fire because internet. So <laughs> it's a good thing I'll be on a cruise ship. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll be cut yeah, off you'll from miss the all of... that. You won't. You won't <laughs> be plugged all in stuff. at all. You're going to we'll come be... back to about a thousand text messages. Your phone <laughs> right? will explode. I'm. It's going to be crazy. I'm not even thinking about that right now. <laughs> We'll send you messenger pigeons or ravens or something so you can still read our messages. <laughs> you know, part of the idea is not to be connected to anything. So, And that's a great thing. And you should yeah. totally I lean just, into that. And that not might be what my wife is, is most anxious about, that I won't be in cell phone contact with people. So <laughs> put your damn phone away. <laughs> but Star yeah, they'll, Wars. They'll be, Five straight days of, of, of nobody telling me to put my phone away because I can't use it. It'll be great. No, that'll be perfect. You'll have yeah. so much fun, and you will be glad oh, totally. not to be connected to the outside world. I think you're probably right, yeah. What if you come back and, like, Ketri and I just, like, had, like, this horrible falling out? It's like Civil War, and it's like, you know what? Now the podcast is oh, dead. Wh- Stop. <sighs> I, you that know, I can't. I, I can't even go there mentally. Don't <laughs> don't put that in my, in my brain before I go on a. Don't cruise put it ship. out in the universe. Yeah. Right. I'm just trolling, is all. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> no, of course. So of course, deep. that would actually under happen. a bridge and waiting for Billy Goats to cross it. <laughs> Billy Goats. <laughs> of course, that wouldn't actually happen. Next in our. Yes. Next in our galactic geek out. Uh, there were seven new Forces of Destiny shorts that debuted on Friday, May 4th, which we will talk about in a minute shortly. And with that, today on Twitter, Tracy Canobio, who is a Lucasfilm publicist, strongly hinted or basically said that there's going to be another short that's going to drop May 25th. Because there were only seven shorts that debuted on May 4th, and usually there are eight. So apparently they are saving in the eighth one for May 25th, the day that Solo premieres. Oh, that's so perfect. That is so awesome. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, that's, that's brand new as of today, Monday, May 7th. Wow. So you're saying we might get a... Young or younger Han Solo short or something with Alden voicing uh, Han. Like that. Yeah, I I mean she gave absolutely no hints as to what this short would be about or who it would be about. I would imagine that if they're dropping it on the twenty fifth, it would tie in some way to Han, Asajj Ventress, oh or, no, or Han, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. So you're basically <laughs> confirming it, right, Kat? That's what you're doing. You're confirming uh, yeah. it right now to me. 
I'm confirming it right now. Yeah. I think we can all speculate Uh, pretty easily that it'll have something to do with Solo. Confirmed. I will. Yeah. I would just say that I would be more surprised if it was not something related to Solo, given that they're they're waiting two weeks later to three weeks later to drop it. So I would be surprised if it's not related to Solo. Just watch. It actually isn't a Sash Ventures short. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be very funny. Uh, I put I, my money, my money on Akira, Akira shorts. <laughs> Potentially Kira and on. Yeah, I could see that. So yeah. we're going to talk Forces of Destiny in just a minute, but I, there's one other little bit of news that I wanted to throw out there first to maybe generate some discussion, and then we could come back to Forces of Destiny. Okay, all right. There is a surprising plot twist that came to light today in terms of Disney's purchase of 21st Century Fox. Apparently, Comcast is potentially trying to finance an all-cash bid to purchase 21st Century Fox instead of Disney. Whoa. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'd be totally against that, was, number one. I was just, yeah, I'm just curious to get your takes on it. It's not necessarily Star Wars focused, but I did think it was very intriguing that all of a sudden well, they would be trying to do this. It does indirectly tie into Star Wars, though. Because, well, you know, yes, because 21st Century Fox does have the the original um, or the rights to the original Star Wars. Right. Hmm. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think. Sound displeased. I don't think Comcast could really do anything good with the X-Men or. Or the Alien and Predator franchises. Seriously, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. They probably wanted for all, like, the news outlets and whatnot that come attached to it, too. Because that's part of the deal, right? It's not just, like, the entertainment division. It's everything else. Yeah, you're Um, you're right. And and Comcast is struggling right now. So many people are cutting the cord that they're they're losing customers by... The thousands every day. So they need to do something to keep them as a viable company. Yeah. I don't know if throwing all their money at 21st Century Fox is necessarily a viable solution, but. Well, maybe, maybe maybe not, but, but I mean, that would give them, that would give them a, a motion picture, um, a component that they don't oh, currently that's have true. that yep. they could potentially burn to the ground. I mean, oh god, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, you know they'll they'll hire the smartest, the very best people. You know that that Trump couldn't hire and and bring their own like brand of mischief. You know, to it to to these projects. Who knows yeah. how they'll fly or or whatever? But I mean, I I could easily see them being very serious about this because you know the laurels they've been resting on are are diminishing by the day. True debt. 
It's true. Yeah. So, so that hopefully was a- Disney's wise enough to go, you know what? How many billion did we just make on Star Wars? Um, let's kick in an extra half billion and just send them cash. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they can compromise and Comcast can keep all the nasty news outlets and everything else. And Disney can keep the, you know, the movie studio component yeah. and the te- and like sure. the Yeah, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm just speculating. So, just ah! just an interesting tidbit of news that came up today that took me a little bit by surprise. We'll see if it goes anywhere. Nah, I honestly don't think it'll go anywhere. I don't know. Fake news. So, fake. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see. But I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit, and given that. Disney has been looking to, or basically had, you know, short of everything going through the, oh, what is it, the F, not the FCC, but the whoever needs to clear that in the government. Um, so anyway, that was the interesting little tidbit. So now we can go back and talk about Forces of Destiny. All right. <laughs> so, okay, before we get into it out of these new episodes and there are how many seven new episodes seven seven and uh out out of these seven else we'll start with you cat ray which one was your favorite Ooh, I... which one delighted you the most i, think I, I know have which to say, one i bet you don't uh ooh, plot <laughs> twist. I, ooh plot twist i think i have to say I liked the Luke and Leia episode the most. Surprise! Not so predictable now, huh? (laughs) Mm. I kind of figured it was that would be that one or the other one I had in mind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of thought so too. Maybe still slightly predictable. Yeah. (laughs) So sorry, Cat. Not so surprising. Sorry, not sorry. Actually, try. no. I I'm I'm surprised by that because I thought it would be the other one for sure. And, and the by other one being the other one, the yeah. other one being the Padme. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, a standalone Padme. Which I did also, yes, standalone that's Padme. The important which I did thing there. Also, I did also enjoy that one greatly. Um, but oh, I, I think I, I a, just I had a question for you guys about that one. They keep calling sure. her uh, Your Highness, right, and not Senator. Is that before Phantom Menace? Yes. Yes, it's supposed to be well, so we don't we don't in in the Phantom Menace she's only literally like just been elected, right? So she serves as queen for several yes. years after the Phantom Menace that we don't see. So I imagine oh, right, right. that this short takes place in between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. So she's still the okay. queen. Um, she hasn't become Senator Amidala. Okay. Yet. Yeah, I just wanted to yeah. get that clear because that, that threw me off a bit. Because they use the same character model for like her other appearances so she just yes i mean she doesn't she doesn't look very much younger yeah but i'm assuming that's just an animation like it's easier to just use the same model so they're not going to age her down but whatever right. i can live with it oh yeah that, so thank you for clearing that up that it's like the only little question i had about that what was your favorite so one, what John? about you guys uh, yeah. well yeah adrian what was yours 
Hmm. I don't know. Am I predictable? Guess. <sighs> well, I mean, I would have said <laughs> the Obi-Wan one, but what, there wasn't one. Ugh, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I don't know. I That's a good one. What would I pick as your favorite? Yes. Maybe the Luke and Leia one. That was a really good episode. It was a good episode. Um, the... Ray and Finn. The... No. No, I don't think no? that was his favorite either, yeah. Um, how about... I know. How about the Ezra and Ahsoka? Hmm. Wise you are. <laughs> oh, wow. Can I nail it? I'll, uh, I put the... The Luke and Leia one on... And the Ezra and Ahsoka one together. I had to pick... I, yeah. I got to pick... Both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I also greatly enjoyed Ahsoka and Ezra. Okay, now I'll let you guys guess which one was mine. Luke and Leia. <laughs> Adrian? Adrian? Uh, Chewie and the Porgs. Oh! Yeah, it was between those two, to be honest with you. So let's yeah. just call you both right. <laughs> let's just call you both right. Like, knowing John, like I, I was really feeling Chewie and the Porgs. I really am feeling that one, too. But I, I did like the Luke and Leia one on Endor because it reestablishes Princess Nisa from the old Ewoks cartoon. Which... I haven't seen, but I think that's Neither cool that they brought that yeah, back. I, so, uh, she's the little, she's the little Ewok with the pink hood and the little uh, leaf thing under her chin. You know, she was also in the Chopper that, episode. She was one. She of the, was also in the Chopper episode. Yes, one of the Gunners. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so okay. You know what? No, never mind. I'll put a th- remind me question for later when we get to our main topic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we're all in like consensus, right? Like the top episode, give or take, was the Luke and Leia one. For I us. Think so yeah, I think that one just you know it's kind of bittersweet to have Luke and Leia together. So mm-hmm. there's kind of some nostalgia there, but it's also fun to see them interact because we actually in Return of the Jedi we don't get a lot of that. You know, Luke's off dealing with Vader and then you've got Leia and Han on Endor. So it's nice to see them working together. Yeah. Um, Plus you got Leia with the lightsaber. Hmm. As brother and sister. We never really. Yes. I assume this has to be after the destruction of the death star. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, when we're talking about the movie, like you were saying, we never really saw them interact too much in that movie oh yes sorry the last time we yeah. really saw them together was when luke tells her you're my sister then he leaves mm-hmm. yeah and then plot happens and they just kind of hug at the end right and then <laughs> the last jedi yeah they have that one conversation so we haven't really seen them interact too much as siblings so this was nice seeing them like that there, yeah. there was like a different totally kind of dynamic agree. going on and yeah, the lightsaber, Plus, obviously. <laughs> I uh, I like how Leia kind of was like, oh, I could I could get used to this <laughs> before handing it back to Luke. Little, she should have kept it. Little nod to the she EU should've. fans right there. 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, of course, also, we got Mark Hamill doing more young Luke, but sounding like old Mark Hamill, and that's just a delight every time. Which, by the way, he does a great job voicing the commercial for the NHL playoffs. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, so it. he he does the intro and the and the outro for the the commercial for the NHL playoffs. That's that's pure Mark Hamill, and I it's know that. him not putting on a voice or anything. But it's his his voice over the years has gained has aged so well for voiceovers. It's mm-hmm. got this gravel to it that really has a character side to it, and. Uh, Man, I could just I could listen to him talk all day now. He's just got such a great voice as he's gotten older. Um so I I was proud of him, you know, when uh he 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 kind of said, "Hey, you know, I I voiced this. Check it out on Twitter." So I was like, "Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you voiced that." So I I went back and listened. I'm like, "Dang, I didn't even notice, bro. Been watching this for a couple weeks, and didn't even notice." So that was cool. <laughs> Very cool. What do you guys think of the? So so yeah okay, little little backtrack here. I didn't. I was I was more curious about the Force Awakens short that we got, but I also ended up mm-hmm. being the most disappointed in that one. I was interested in that oh, one because really? of the deleted scene aspect, right? Because that was the dele- deleted scene from the movie made canon in a way, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Whether. Racing across Star Killer Base, yeah, in the snow speeder. Yes. You, I, oh, I I thought that was a lot of fun. I liked it. I thought it was cute. That's what I didn't like about it. Too cute. It was too cute considering the circumstances of that moment. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that kind of Star Wars? I mean, <laughs> well, no. Think of, compared to the other ones, right? Okay, the Luke and Leia one, they're. They're fighting up this monster with Ewoks. Okay, that's it's adventure, right? You got Chewie and the Porgs. We don't have to really... I mean, enough said. Hera and Chopper, when you have Ewoks as gunners. So that one's already silly as it is. Um, The Finn and Rey one, they're in the middle of this life-or-death situation that's been going on for a couple hours at this point. Rey just got out of... She just escaped from being tortured and mind-probed and whatnot. And Han Solo is about to die in like two minutes from that point. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we don't know that at that moment, though. It's it's pretty close. Like Han's about to die somewhere. Him and Chewie are setting those bombs. Well, it's going on. Just saying. Well, yeah. I mean, we know that in in retrospect. Okay, but. but- can I raise you some aggressive negotiations in the arena on Geonosis? I mean, like, this is a staple of Star Wars. <laughs> you know, people, couples, couples. I say couples, but we don't know if Ray and Finn will ever be a couple. But, I mean, literally people having these, like, snippy conversations. You know? <laughs> people having Go these... Ahead. Kind of, you know, people having these kind of conversations in the midst of battles... Um, I love you. I know on Endor with Han and Leia. Yeah, <laughs> there are multiple examples of this happening across Star Wars. So I personally think it fits in just fine. I'm hearing what you're saying, 
I'm not I'm not gonna tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just feel it was a little too much with that one. And I get it, these are for kids. Like at the end of the day, these are for small children. And that's awesome. Maybe maybe I'm just having trouble separating that right now with that one, just because yeah circumstances and just knowing the context of that moment i mean that's fair and and a totally uh legitimate criticism i'm not you know trying to say that i just i wasn't too bothered by the tone at all i thought it was cute for a two minute short and i'm yeah but you know in the context that this was a deleted scene you know, maybe Adrian, that's why they deleted it. Hmm. Maybe. Possibly. I wonder if the Chewie and the Porg one was a deleted scene now, too. That never God, even that'd got be awesome. <laughs> I doubt That it. was pretty cute. It was pretty cute. That was really I liked, cute. I liked, See, I I liked that, one. that that short was the only short that didn't have any dialogue, at least dialogue in english yeah you could understand i mean you know it was obviously understandable what was happening and i don't know i just think that's well done and it was cute. yeah and i i think sometimes chewy will never not be cute right seriously and and i think that's that's one of the things that made it so compelling is that there wasn't any dialogue so you had Mm -hmm. to really kind of follow it just you know but it was yet a complete story and it it told a full story, you know? It was cool. It was well done. I liked it. From that perspective, I'd yeah. say it's the strongest episode in this new batch. Like, as far as the ser- sure. storytelling goes? Yeah. Um, I also, surprisingly, I really liked the episode with Sabine and Tristan. I was about to bring that one up. Yeah, no one brought that one up yet. <laughs> because. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that was probably my least favorite one. Yeah. Oh, really? I'll put that one. Oh. Put that one along with the ring. I guess I'm one. in. I guess I'm into the the sibling. I you know I thought it was nice to see the two of them interacting and working together, um, mm-hmm. which we didn't get a lot of in Rebels. I mean, we do see them together, but not quite the same. I also loved right. that Sabine was geeking out over the statue because obviously. She's an artist, and art. yeah. that's her. That's her subject, you know. So it's it was cool to see her very enthusiastic about that piece of her history, and then how Tristan kind of comes around at the end and is like, "Oh yeah, it's actually pretty cool looking." Um, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of a sweet one. I don't really know how it works. You know, kind of in the overall context of them trying to retake Mandalore, you know, I you, you could argue about the context of the short in the bigger picture. But as a short, yeah. just taken by itself, I thought it was kind of sweet. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. <laughs> That's right, you will. I'll, I'll allow John to allow it. <laughs> <laughs> And I will allow Adrian to allow me to allow it, um, if that's allowed. Well done. Okay. It is allowed. I'll allow it. (laughs) I'll allow it. Oh, okay, good. Oh. Okay. So, 
Okay, so let's talk about the Ahsoka and Ezra one now. Okay. Sure. That that's the one that's the most interesting one for me. This goes so this is Ahsoka's How so? Tell me how so, young man. <laughs> this is the first time we see uh Rebel Era Ahsoka in one of these. And it's a bit of an yes. interesting episode, like to introduce that version of the character, because he Ezra's there kind of training, minding his own business. Right, with that sweet lightsaber <laughs> she- gun thing. Yeah, and then she just comes oh, in. Oh yeah, snark. man! Like little, she was in a mood in that episode. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I feel well because this is obviously it takes place post season one Rebels, mm-hmm. so I feel like in this capacity, Ahsoka is kind of more that mysterious. Jedi character, I guess. And so she's kind of, it's, it felt like she was leaning into that a little bit. Maybe, maybe Kanan, I could headcanon this. Maybe Kanan asked her to, you know, put a little fear of the Jedi in Ezra. <laughs> Stir the fear pot of the a Jedi. little bit. <laughs> Use fear in your Jedi training? Come on, Kat. Come on. You well, I mean, not. well, maybe, I know, maybe I know, I know. in that, I'm just messing. in that, yeah, just to to present him with a challenge, you know, um, and shake show him things a, up, yeah, shake things up totally by taking the crystal. Are you going to say saber. show him a different way? I mean, yeah, she's yeah, she certainly is teaching him a, a very valuable lesson here, you know, mm-hmm. that that if you if you feel the force, you know, and um. You know, you can fend off an opponent without having to use your lightsaber and then use the force to kind of guide you through the battle, which eventually led him to the kyber crystal and he could defend himself with a lightsaber. Yeah, not using the force as a weapon either, like you were saying, guiding him, keeping him safe but not actually using it against her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting point. Good point. Which is definitely interesting in the context of you know, when you think about like in the prequel trilogy about the Jedi losing their way and joining the Clone War and yeah. leading it and kind of leaving behind their peacekeeping roles to become warriors, generals. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was War definitely- criminals. <laughs> definitely an interesting one but but i did enjoy it and i liked having the introduction of rebels era ahsoka in there and getting to see ezra and obviously you know hear the voice actors again um yeah it's a nice kind of like uh, little bit of continuity even though we don't have the show anymore <laughs> And who knows, maybe maybe Ezra will show up in another. I mean, we, you know, we've got, obviously now we've got later Sabine. So, you know, maybe at some point we'd see the two of them interact in a Forces of Destiny short. Sure. You know what? I, I think- kind of. Go oh, ahead, Kat. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, I think what this, what was good about this or nice about this batch of episodes, that we've actually, they've really expanded the time frame now. You know, we've got, you know, what you could basically call Phantom Menace era Padme 
And now we've got some of the Rebels stuff. I mean, we'd already done Force Awakens slash Last Jedi. You know, we're already – but it's filling in kind of some more periods, you know, to potentially Mm -hmm. branch out into other characters. Yeah. Yeah. Totes. So – what would you guys like to see in future Forces of Destiny episodes that we still haven't gotten to or seen exactly? Well, funny you should ask. I would like to see a hot, a solo episode. <laughs> a solo, solo a episode? Solo, solo episode. Well, which we've already speculated we're going to get. Uh, but now I'm excited to see it. And... <laughs> That's a good question, though. You know, I I think I'd like to see more Jin because I think there's adventures that that Jin Erso had that Jin Erso not on Gurel in a market. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see more of that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still feeling the pain of the loss of Rebels as a show. Um, yeah. So I'd like to see more Rebels. That was a really cool surprise to see that particular episode with uh, with Ahsoka and and uh, Ezra. Uh, that was cool. That was a that was a good mm-hmm. surprise. I wasn't expecting that. And um, you know, more Han Solo, more better. This is the way I look at it. So I'd like to see some New Hope era stuff from. You know, the original cast. That'd be cool to me. How about you guys? Some smuggler solo. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cadre? I would like to see more Clone Wars Padme doing her senator thing. Okay. To potentially introduce other characters we've seen before, like... Bail Organa, Mon Mothma, Rio Chuchi. I mean, there's a lot of characters that she could interact with that aren't necessarily Ahsoka or Anakin. Um, it could be cool, now that I'm on that point, to see a little short of Clone War, Clone Wars era Ahsoka with Obi Wan and Anakin, that could be kind of cool. I didn't think see Obi Wan. Yeah, he hasn't popped up anywhere. Yeah, so that could be cool. Um, you know, it could be cool. I know. So we've gotten Ray and Finn and Han in the Force Awakens slash Last Jedi era. It could be cool to see General Leia and Poe in a short. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be dope. A really really cool Leia episode, you know, with with Poe or Haldo. You know, yeah, that could be a really cool episode, and and honestly, I mean, there's potentially in the fall if they're still making these, and I hope they do. We could see um, a Star Wars Resistance Forces of Destiny. 
Yeah, maybe mm. some of the new characters that the new series. In. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Adrian? Um. Well, for sure, I think I've brought this up before in the past. I would like to see some of the villain side of things being explored a bit. So maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, some massage as her time in her time as a bounty hunter. I think that'd be pretty cool because I think that's a time Asajj really got interesting when she left the Separatists when she left Dooku and yeah, kind of started, started doing her own thing. So I think that'd be worth exploring a bit more. So we'd love to see that maybe some Phasma. That oh, that'd be, be cool. Portraying yep. them as heroes of the First Order or something like that, you know, not heroes. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing about Forces of Destiny is heroes, right? Right. He- heroes is a perspective thing. It's a certain point of view thing. It's true. So I, I think I think there's enough there to kind of warp this friendly looking Phasma while still keeping <laughs> the badass nature of her character or supposed totally. badass nature of her character. Yeah. And I'm gonna be fan servicey about it. I would love to see another Rebels era one. Or before Rebels, where Hera and Kanan maybe try and go on a date. Oh, oh, that'd be so awesome. Adrian. <laughs> Adrian, count up uh, at the soft spot. That's like right in the fields. Ouch. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. Well played, sir. Yes. And then, well and then choppers, Chopper keeps getting in the way or something. or like. But, I mean, you're not. You have a really good point though is that in with rebels and Hera and Kanan they were together I mean I'm not speaking in like the coupley sense but you know they were working together for a while before they pick up mm-hmm. Zeb and Sabine and then Ezra you know it's the two of them and Chopper so it could be really interesting to see some pre-Rebels where it's either Hera and Kanan or maybe how they met Sabine or Zeb or yeah, something like exactly. that. exactly. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. Or how go did on a Zeb date, which Sabine? I would... <laughs> yeah. Maybe Zeb ruined their date and that's how they met him. Huh? Possible. There's potential there. I mean, I haven't oh, read... A, yeah. I, I haven't read a, the book. Um, Re- Rebel, Rebel Dawn? Rebel's Dawn? No, no. A that's, New Dawn. A New Dawn, yes. Thank you. A new uh, dawn. I that's when they first meet up, right? Kanan and Hera. Yes, that's where Kanan and Hera meet, and so Hera is no spoilers. Hera is working alone or with Chopper, technically, and the Ghost, but she's working by herself as a Rebel operative. And a new dawn focuses on one of her missions where she runs into Kanan. And then, okay, slight spoiler alert. Obviously, we know that because the two of them meet, Kanan is going to join up with her and they're going to start working together. But at the end of the book, it's still just the two of them. It's Hera and Kanan, not, they haven't recruited the rest of the ghost crew yet. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I would love to see some of that. That'd be great. Or yeah, even while we're on Rebels too, maybe some Price. A nice some nice character moments with Price where she's just not being mm. Imperial and cold the whole time. More of the price right. we got in the Thrawn novel. That I think that'd be kinda cool. Yeah. 
You could maybe tie that into Lothal and Ezra, perhaps. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Those would be my my top picks for future FODs. Totally with you on that. Absolutely. Great ideas. I mean, I think you've, yeah, you've, you've come up with some really compelling ideas that, uh, um, if you're listening, Lucasfilm, you owe this guy <laughs> some money for those ideas. <laughs> just use them. Or you could just like give me one of the jobs I keep on applying for. I don't know. Right. Yeah. You could actually <clears throat> interview him for a real job. That'd be cool. That's <clears throat> a trap. All right. And a man's got skills. I'm just saying. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Well, I think that puts a wrap on our Forces of Destiny discussion, and uh, certainly looking forward to more more episodes or the next episode, which should be coming up in just a couple of short weeks. The solo episode. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I was totally like, solo episode. The solo episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, all right. Uh. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment right now in the podcast to uh, to thank our our sponsor of this this show, Radar Toys. Check them out at radartoys.com. Um let's take a little pause and uh pay the bills, so to speak. We'll be right back. Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. Now what do you see? Toys. Isles of Toys. Where, Ray? Radar Toys. What else do you see? Funko Pop Vinyl. Kid Robot. Tokidoki. There's something else. RadarToys.com. Resist it. They have free shipping on all domestic orders. It's calling me to their store on West 11th. RadarToys.com. Join the Imperial Academy today. Do you have the metal to fly with no shields? Do you have the brawn to drive an all-terrain armored attack vehicle? Do you have a desire to serve your empire? If not, you have no choice. The Imperial Academy. You have no choice. Join today. So we promised last week that we'd bring up the details for that giveaway, and we've got them. So three lucky Force fans, or not Force fans, if you just enter, whatever, uh, have the opportunity to uh, win a couple of Funko Pop and Wobblers, all Star Wars ones. And we've seen them, and they're great, and we're kind of jealous because we can't keep them. But, <laughs> yeah, but we're giving uh, we're giving uh, three people a nice batch of, of each. So uh, just keep an eye on our website, forcefanpodcast.com, and our social media channels for the official ways to enter. Uh, right now, off the bat, we can tell you an iTunes review is an entry. Easy, easy one. Just leave, go to iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, the, the social media ones will have instructions on the image we post. So easy peasy. You're right there. Might as well just enter. Why not? Can't hurt. And uh, there'll be another uh, opportunity on our on our website with an opportunity there too to double that entry. So you have two opportunities on the website. So just go to forcefanpodcast.com slash giveaway and f- fill out the instructions, fill out the, the form there. And if you're there, might as well just put in the special code word, which is SABAK. So the code word is SABAK, S-A-B-A-C-C. Put that in and you'll double your entry on the webpage. So looking forward to seeing... Uh, Seeing all those entries come in, like I'm saying, easy way to get a couple of cool, 
cool toys, a couple of collectibles, courtesy of Radar Toys. And this this contest will run through the opening weekend of the new film, Solo, A Star Wars Story. So go enter now. Have a chance to win some really awesome Funko Pops. And may the force be with you. So while we're on that now on Solo, as about we dive right into our main topic. You know, I think that's a great idea. Little Sounds good. Little book club time here. Yeah, I, I think this is the first time all three of us have read slash listened to a new release book all at the same at time. At the same it time. Mm-hmm. Special occasion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that book in question, of course, we're talking about is well, Last Star Shot. Wars, Last Shot. By Daniel Jose Older. Who? The author. Is one of the people that reads the story if you do the uh, audiobook. Oh, oh he was he? one of the narrators? Which one? He's, he's one of the narrators. Which? I don't know which one, but um, the narration was great. Yeah, yeah. There's some great uh, voice acting going on in, in this. I, I, too, did the... the audiobook like we mentioned last last episode and it was it was a pleasure i really it, it changed the game for me I, i'm sticking to audiobooks for a while right now it just changes it it's really really cool and dynamic and you can do it where, wherever you are pretty much whatever you're doing ultimate multitasking yeah and this was an interesting I'm glad one you guys I... but go ahead go ahead cat I was just going to say, I'm glad you guys had so much fun listening to it, because it was fun to be able to read along while you guys listened along and talk about it as we read it. So I'm glad you both did. Made my heart happy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really interesting. I'd never listened to an audio book before. So um, to start off with a Star Wars one, was extra cool because we had the benefit of some sound effects and some music to go along with the story. Um, and it, it really felt very Star Wars-y with those elements. Um, they were a little inconsistent at times, though, between um, sound effects and the voice actors voicing characters. Like, for example, Chewbacca, I felt like was sometimes a sound effect right straight from Lucasfilm, and sometimes it was one of the voice actors doing their best Chewbacca impression. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, it worked. I mean, it wasn't like I was going, oh, you've changed mid-story. You know, it it worked, but it's something I noticed, you know. It stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the audiobook, it was read by Mark Thompson... With Daniel Jose Older, who is the author, and January Lavoie. And I think all three of them did a great job. So I think we could surmise that Daniel Jose Older read the parts of younger Han and younger Lando. Oh, okay. Did it change between chapters? Yeah. Like flipping? Between eras. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Each yeah. era yeah. had Sorry, a, different, a different narrator. Young Lando had a different, young Han had a different, uh, Visengore and current Han and Lando had the same one. Yeah. 
Okay. So that was that was a bit jarring at first, but it 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 uh it established a, a style, and I, I quickly got over it, and it did kind of keep it fresh. I did prefer a certain narrator over the other, obviously, but which one? Uh, the main guy, uh, his Han yeah. and Lando were spot spot on. on. Perfect. He like, did a great impression. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like there I just have to say because I was I was not listening to the audiobook, I was reading it, but I was hearing the actors in my head while I was for, for which era it was. If it was, you know, kind of the OT era, um Han and Lando versus young Han and young Lando. And I I think that's so, a testament to how well those characters were written. I think indeed. I think the author had a good understanding of of you know both characters and how their voice differently and the dialogue itself and and the way that that those characters speak were true to their appearances in the films that we know and love and adore and in fact some of the same lines that they've used in the movie appear in the book um it's true you know but but i mean you you i think when you have a branch of something like that you can use those as elements of continuity to make people feel comfortable with the characters but it mm-hmm. but beyond that i think i think the dialogue he chose for each character outside of specifically quotes from other sources were true to those characters. Like Han's dialogue sounds like Han thought these words and they came out of his head. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lando's was way more lando you know, and it's the same writer writing both these characters. Um, I, yes. I, I thought it was well-written from that, from that context, from that respect, it's it's a very well written thing. I personally have a lot of issues with the story that really took away a great deal of my enjoyment. But you know, and we'll get into that in a minute here. But but overall, you know, I've listened, you know, to I've listened to it once in more than a half extra time because um, oh, wow. I cheated and, and put it on times two speed. The second time, but I, 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 which doesn't sound too chipmunky, but it gets really clipped, and sometimes you can't understand some of the words they're saying because it comes so fast. Gross. Yeah, I can't do that. But it, it's yeah, it it. But I think listening to it a second time, maybe I like it a little better. But I still have the issues I have with this book are the same issues I had the first time I listened through to it. That's fair enough. That's a fair point. I I, I can see where you're coming from. Overall, though, I'd say this this book did this book worked on a lot, a lot of levels. I think more than even even outside of like the actual plot itself. I I think I mentioned it to you guys too at one point. For the young Lando and Han segments of the book, I was imagining Donald Glover and and uh, Alden Ehrenreich in the roles, and like yeah, yeah, me too. And then when I cut cut back to the others, obviously it was Billy D and and Harrison, right? So men, huge props to the book for kind of solidifying the young versions of those characters for me, even before the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. I I didn't think I'd be used to them. I I, I thought it was still going to be jarring up until like 
up until and past the release of the movie. But now I've like I've accepted them. And I think this book had a lot to do with that. And like John was saying, as far as like dialogue, just like the characters the characters were given so much more depth than what we've seen. So we have Han struggle with parenthood and being a husband, something we never really saw ever. It's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. But at the same time, kind of funny to me. Seeing the scoundrel trying to deal with marriage issues. Being a dad. A two-year-old. Yeah. 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 (laughs) A two-year-old can best even the galaxy's best smuggler. Let me tell you. And and then Lando struggling with actual emotions that aren't just fueled by other things. (laughs) (laughs) Lust. Lust. And just not being able to deal with that. Like, midlife crisis mode for both characters, I think. Which, in a way, kind of makes sense. Because, you know, the Empire's been defeated. What do you do next? You know, and I it even, it even touches a little, like, Leia has the arena of politics. And she's at home there doing her thing. But, you know, now the Empire's been overthrown. There's the new order in the galaxy. And so it's kind of like they're both struggling to find their place in in this reshaping of the galaxy now that the Empire is gone. Mm-hmm. I, so, I like also that this is a pretty even split between the character of Han and the character of Lando in terms of who's the hero of the story mm-hmm. it's real it's really yeah. both you know and and it's portrayed yeah. that way very well and um so we we get to follow separate adventures that tie together in the multiple mm-hmm. eras and obviously there's there's times where they're both together at the same spot in in both eras too um so you know from from that point of view again it was it was Really fun and, and interesting to listen to. Um, again, I, I still have my serious issues with this book. <laughs> yeah, I we'll do get too, to those in a minute. We'll get to that in a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, yes, I mean, like you guys have said, I found, I also found this book to be really enjoyable. I don't, as we talk through some of it. I don't think I have the same issues that you guys do, but I um, I really liked that we got to follow both a young Han and a young Lando versus their OT counterparts. I thought it did a really great job of balancing all the characters. And John, like you mentioned, I really liked that we seem, we got equal time between Han and Lando. It didn't really sw- swing in one direction or the other because I had thought going into this that it was mostly going to be like Han with a little bit Mm -hmm. of Lando on the side. And so I was actually really pleasantly surprised that we actually got as much Lando as we did. The other thing that I really like about this book is that I like that there's a lot of emotional depth to both Han and Lando, which honestly – you know, we don't get a lot of for Han in the OT, and we get nothing for Lando. You know, he's just the smooth gambler slash scoundrel. 
and right. Han is, you know, the rogue with the heart of gold. So I like that this story was able to flesh out a lot more of their emotional depth because we don't really see that happen on screen at all. You know, it's not integral to the plot, so we don't really see it. So I did appreciate that. And, you know, as a parent, I appreciated, and I mean, John, maybe you agree or disagree, but I mean, my kids are a lot younger, so maybe that's why it resonates a little bit more. But, you know, (laughs) seeing Han struggling with the parent, parenting and being like, been there, man, been there, you know. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've definitely know, this been too shall my pass. moments, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, and it and the the struggles felt for the most part realistic of being a new parent and struggling to keep your head above water and try you know, wondering how how is this all gonna work out? Am how am I, I gonna get this droid parent? to stop making coffee when my baby's asleep? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, that happens all and the so, time, right? Am I right? It, totally. I'm, you know, all the time. So it, <laughs> so I, that, I, you know, that resonated a lot with me having gone through that myself and having undergone those struggles and doubts where, you know, you don't know if you're doing the right thing or you think you're failing completely at being a parent. So it's nice to see characters that I've loved since I was a teenager and have basically grown up with that, you know, to see them on the page going through those struggles as well. So, so far, this overview has been very spoiler free, in my opinion. There's not there's well, not much in in terms of of heavy content that we've gotten into, but I think Anybody listening right now who's considering picking up this book that um, maybe doesn't want to hear anything further in terms of the storyline and what happens in this book, um, yeah, maybe maybe fast forward to the end of this podcast for a little bit um, <laughs> because because I'd I'd like to get into some of the finer points at this at this time and Let's I do. mean and 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 really talk about some of some of the things that i really loved the specific things that i really loved the moments that i thought were great and some of the moments that just completely i felt went off the rails in a bad way in a bad way yeah in a real <laughs> let's bad way. do it deep dive okay. let's go so i want to start with something really positive i i really feel like um i feel like this this story the the interesting part to me of this story was the main villain um i thought it was a a really interesting and the way listening to it a second time especially the way that they took this character and you know kind of set up his motivation and he has a little character uh development just from where he starts to where he ends, yeah. Um, that was really kind of interesting, you know. And it was it was different, you know. He starts off as a medical student, and he's in this this classroom environment, and these what would you call them? Like uh, space rebels, but they weren't 
like our rebels. They were like pirates, some kind of bandits. pirates. Sure, bandits. bandits. Yeah, like I like bandits. These galactic bandits come in and they're looking for medical professionals and they want the best of the class. Who's the best of the class? And it it was this character, Fies and Gore, and but he's got a buddy that is like not a coward and was like it's me and so they take them both and um the the one buddy who's got kind of an arrogant streak gets shot and so now he's trying to help him stay alive and um and all the the pirates the bandits whatever you want to call them get killed and and now he and this medical droid are trying to keep the friend alive and he's coming to the realization that that the the organic bodies are inferior to mechanical bodies. He's got this mechanical, this medical droid that's helping him and he's so precise and it's so perfect and everything's mm-hmm. great and he never falters. And it's like, he's enamored with this, the precision and, and he's realizing that droids are far superior than organic life. And that's, that's where things start to twist for him. You know, he, um, he kills someone at some point and feels some guilt for it, uh, but that also helps spark him going, well, droids are superior and organics are inferior, and it's an interesting motivation. I really was into that, you know? Yeah, it had kind of a very unique horror element. Totally. Oh, I can probably speak more to this um, for a Star Wars Yes, novel, yes, which yes, I yes, yes, I don't yes. really think we're used to seeing at all. Right. Because then he starts dabbling in the combination of organic plus droid mechanical parts, and he's making yeah. various horrifying. types of horrifying cyborg droid human organic like combos that that get real freakish yeah. real fast mm-hmm. you know and rot you know <laughs> he's obsessed with rotting flesh and how it's inferior and um and that kind of creeps up a couple times and yeah and basically how he's going he's now then got this program which is going to enable the droids to rise up and right. kill all the organics and mm-hmm. basically take over. Which now that I'm thinking about it, now I'm thinking about Futurama kill all humans. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> totally. Sorry. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> but oh. but but I like how um you know, this isn't something that you like it, it brings up an area, a couple things that we haven't really seen in the Star Wars universe. So there's for one, there's kind of this horror element to to the whole thing about a specific you know, the combination kind of, horror of element. yeah, body horror with the organic more and specific. Droid. More okay, well we'll get to that. But also, I I like that it incorporates kind of this dichotomy that we see in the Star Wars universe, where you've got the organics, you know, all of the humans and alien species that we see, and then you've got the droids, and it's always kind of been 
this weird, like, what exactly are mm-hmm. the droids? They're owned by people, but some of them like, are too. And yeah. C-3PO have really distinct personalities and have obviously kind of evolved beyond whatever their basic programming is. And so they kind of occupy this very interesting niche in Star Wars where it's like they're servants, but then some of them are actually kind of, we see them more as people characters because obviously the story has made them that way but you know so there's obviously some differences in the droids themselves and you know how does that play out in the galaxy and in this book they they take it even a step further with one of the characters l3 really Mm -hmm. into this whole droids rights Mm -hmm. thing which is yet another step that's interesting and another part that i really found fascinating and i loved it Yes. How passionate she was. That was. Yeah. That that's definitely, I would argue, maybe the strongest uh, aspect of the book, even more than the Han and Lando depth we got. Just because that, that is something that's kind of always bugged me about Star Wars, like you were saying, Kat. I, I don't think I've ever brought it up, actually, on the podcast. But it was mm-hmm. the droid's place in the galaxy. Because you're right, they're sentient. These guys have personalities. They have fears. They have pleasures, like they like doing certain things, but yet they're mm-hmm. owned, they're treated like slaves in some cases. Some people treat them better than others. You know, you had Mon Mothma uh, scolding Khan for mistreating his calf droid. Yeah, was that foreshadowing or what? Yeah, right? Yeah, then, uh, right. <laughs> so I, I love the way the phylanx breaks it down. Like, yeah, each droid has their base programming, you know, in other words, their soul, who they are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then how they evolve just based on their interactions and all the different inputs they get as they travel the galaxy or don't travel the galaxy and just develop into their own individual being. Like That fascinated me, and I'm glad we finally mm-hmm. got an acknowledgement of that in Star Wars. And as far as- now, having said that, those are all the things I loved about the story. Uh-huh. The voice acting, the actual, the premise of this story is really strong, is a very strong premise. And, and a lot of the execution is just brilliantly done. The issues I have with this story, although they seem pretty minor, I, I guess, but they really bothered me, was that in a lot of ways... It was too earthbound, you know. A, a lot of the references, a lot of the, a lot of the things were, were very earthbound. And then the other thing is, and, and it's probably my my biggest problem with anything outside of the films themselves that we're introduced to as canon Star Wars is when things get a little too silly, a little too stupid for stupid sake and and in this case you know they have this section about the story where wookies are are disappearing and where what are happening to these wookies and then later on we're introduced to these droids that are attacking people with wookie arms and it's like oh come on really uh, come on it's so cool that is so not cool. It's just it is so 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 cool from a it's horror so fans perspective. Cheesy. Oh, it's it is so not cheesy. cheesy. It's that's not cheese, it's re- man. Cheese is oh, good. It's, 
No, it's just like, oh, come on, really? It's like it's like straight out of the mind of like a fifth grader. No, no, Let's no, no. Let's put no, no, Wookiee no, no. arms on a robot. Dude, no, no. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong, because I know I'm right. Well, I know I'm right. Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, right, it's a specific kind of horror. Yes, it's body horror, but to get even more specific into it, it's Lovecraft. It's Reanimator. It's Herbert West. Herbert West is a character that's obsessed with death and preventing it. And he, a lot of his experiments involve reanimating flesh and putting things that shouldn't be together together and creating new janky life out of it. It's an obsession with conquering death and making it better and stronger. He has. Vizen Gore is totally Herbert West in Star Wars. I totally agree. Mm. And I, I, those parts of the books, just when, when Lando and L3 come across a, his little workshop of horrors, I'm like, whoa, that's... That was creepy. That's gnarly. Totally agree. Yeah, that was yeah. very creepy. But then the more we get into Vizen's mind, I'm like, holy crap, this is totally Lovecraft. This is Herbert West. This is Reanimator. Like, the same, he has the, sh- the same logic and the same uh, goals, in a way, to make life better or right. put the superior life ahead. And I have just, like, props for making something like Reanimator part of the star wars canon like that so okay so maybe maybe i'm biased here just because i love i'm a horror junkie and i saw the connection there where i made that connection anyway and i just fell in love with it the wookie arms just add to that because it's see to me the wookie arms are what subtracts because it's like let's take the most powerful arms in Star Wars, uh, Wookiees don't tear your arms out of their socket when they lose, or droids don't tear their arm your arms out of their socket when you lose. It's you know that's only Wookiees do that, right? So so now let's take the most powerful arms and put them on the robot in perfect killing machine, and it's just to me that is just like <laughs> oh come on, it's like something maybe I would have thought of when I was in sixth grade, you know, and really been into and but but me as the jaded old fart that I am now. Looking back at it, I'm like, that's just silly, you know? You can do that. You can, you can do the whole biomechanical thing without trying to go, you know, throw a monster arm on it, too. It's like, it's, there. there's a really weird line that I guess I put in my head and that crossed it. And some, you know, that's just one of the examples that is is a problem for me, you know? Um, another one being like, I mentioned two Earthbound, you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars mom Leia packs underwear for Han on his adventure. It's like, really? Do we need to know that? Is it... I mean, come on. I just thought that was like, I'm going to use the word underwear for the sake of using the word underwear and putting it in Star Wars canon. It's like, skip it. I don't need that, you know? And, you know, uh, Kai, uh, Ben in a T-shirt, you know, that's to Earth, you know. They could have just said, you know, running around in, sure. his, in his shirt, yeah. But they specifically said T-shirt, and it's just like, uh, it's too close to Earth for me. What did he call 
like those shirt, those flappy shirts they all seem seem to be fond of. Like they have the flap shirts. that goes over their shirt, their chest. Is right, Han shirt? Han yeah. wears one in in uh, uh, the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, and and Luke's is, Luke's um, Jedi one has the flap with the gray. Right, yeah. Cass- Cassian wears one too, and Rogue One. Po. Right, yeah, yeah. These are the questions we yeah. get asked. I think I, th- I think they call them shirts. I, th- <laughs> I think they're just called shirts. Yeah, I mean, there's an there's the one of my favorite uh, <laughs> favorite paragraphs um, where Lando is dressing himself. They just call them shirts. Yeah. <laughs> They don't really specify, so. Oh, so okay. Have a here's a question for you guys now. What do y'all think about Taka? Star Wars's first gender neutral character from Alderaan. I like. I liked Taka. Well, I thought. I thought Taka's introduction. Well. Yeah, you can talk about that in a minute. I thought Taka's introduction was hilarious. The fact that they are going by Han Solo and (laughs) advertising themselves as Han Solo as a way to get work as a pilot. Like, that was just, that cracked me up a lot. Because Han and Lando are, of course, like, are you kidding me with this? Um, So... (laughs) And and in the character and in the book, Taka's twenty one years old. They say it. I just looked it up. Yeah, I think, I think uh, they in say that it in chapter. the chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Taka's not very old, and I thought a lot of Taka's behavior seemed fairly typical of that age, kind of that flippant college attitude you know whatever it's fine you know what do what i want (laughs) john but or sorry yeah go ahead john you know my my problem might be with the voice acting of that part (laughs) um and and maybe that's what the issue is for me because maybe it reads better than it listens because the voice actor chose this really annoying cross between, um, yeah, petulant college student slash Pee Wee Herman Whoa. slash Johnny Rotten kind of voice, you know, kind of punky and, you know, yeah, uh, the voice acting is like, whoa, human butt, whoa, Twilight butt, Twilight butt. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I it was, think it was really annoying. I, I think if you're yeah, if you had an issue with the voice acting, then Taka might not come across as well. I mean, I personally liked that, you know, Taka uses gender neutral pronouns, and I like how that's just accepted in the Star Wars universe. I mean, if you are reading carefully, you notice that Han and Lando just accept this and use them when they're speaking about Taka, which I think is nice. I mean, it's a nice way to just 
kind of quietly established that, yes, there are these people in the Star Wars universe, just like we have them in our universe. And so. See, now, I didn't pick up on any of that. (laughs) Really? I, I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't pick up on this character was supposed to be gender neutral. And and maybe it's because of the voice actor was a male, you know, so I probably just headcanon made this character a male. Mm-hmm. But I did pick up on that they were at least probably, you know, sexual orientation wise open for anything. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, while you're on that, I I had to go back and re-listen to that introduction a few times because, I mean, not not having the book in front of me, right? They kept saying there for Taka. uh And for a second there, I thought, is Taka two characters? Because I was thinking of the wrong there because they're... Their hat, their goggles, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Right. Like, it's, yes, it's talking yeah. two characters that are just like twins or something. That was like my first thing. So I had to keep going back until I realized. Well, and I think maybe, okay, no, maybe this because no... this person is trying to pass themselves as Han Solo, I automatically identified the character as a male because Han Solo's a male. So maybe I need to go back and listen a third time to that chapter just to. Pick up on something that was obviously there for the two of you. Yeah, I mean, at least I think, you know, right? That's. I, and sorry, Keiko. No, I mean, I I probably picked up on it more because also, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm looking at Twitter, and there are obviously a lot of people that I follow that, you know, are also big Star Wars fans. And so they're reading it at the same time. So then it's definitely called out, which then makes it more noticeable to me. Um, and maybe it's a bit, maybe it's easier when you're reading versus listening. Like you were saying, Adrian, about having the correct there. Um, <laughs> it's not referring to multiple people. It's just referring to the one person and kind of having to adjust to that. But, but I, I liked Taka. I mean, I was actually, I liked all the new characters that were introduced. And I know John has also some feelings about this too, but I thought it was nice that there was, we get this mixed crew, right? You know, so you've got your humans, Han and Lando and Taka. But then you've also, you know, we've got Chewie, we've got an Ugnaught, we've got Kasha. Ooh, John's favorite, the Ewok. And we've got Pekpa, the Ewok. And so, you know, we've got kind of this motley crew that includes both humans and various alien species. And they're familiar species to us. I mean, they're not introducing anything new. I mean, we even meet a Gungan at some point, which was That's another right. part of the story that another I actually part really that I appreciated. Oh my God. I hated that. Wait, wait, no, that was amazing. <laughs> Han, oh, Han no, was just I being racist that. without even realizing it. He just goes up to him, Misa, and the Gungan just like unloads on him. And I was, I was at the gym at that point. I just lost it. The lady on the treadmill next to me started looking at me all weird. I adore, <laughs> adore that part. 
See now here here's my issue and it and it goes in line with the Ewok slicer. God, I mean really? You're I felt like they were using those races just to use those races. You know, it's like, uh, we need it we need an Ewok in here. Let's let's give the Ewok a job you wouldn't expect. Um Let's take the most savage, primitive race in all of Star Wars. Give it the most technical job. People will believe that, right? Just do it. Just do it. It felt insulting to me, you know? And the same, just... with, and the same with the Gungan. It's like you've got a Gungan character that's like the administrator of this, this prison planet. It's like, and speaking down to people and being all hoity-toity, snotty, uh, you know, and it's just like, what? Why did it have to, why did you have to make that a Gungan? Why did you have to make that character an Ewok? They don't seem to fit the mold for me. It's not, it's so far off what we understand about both those races that it seems completely out of place and somewhat insulting to me. Dang. I would disagree because Dang. I mean, we'll get to the Ewok in a minute, but about the Gungan specifically, there's nothing to suggest that a Gungan could not be an administrator of a prison planet. Like we obviously see them you having ever see their Boss own Nass? society, <laughs> yeah, but that's Boss Nass. Like that's one character. He's the leader of, of all what- of them. Well, yeah, but he's not the one that has this job. You know, he's not the only guy. Then again, look at real life. Look at the leader of the United States. He doesn't speak for all of us either. Okay, all right. Uh, Yeah. All right, okay, I understand. So I don't think... But it it still felt to me so out of place, and it just felt like they were using that race just to use that race. Why couldn't it have been, I I don't know, a, a... whatever race the uh, the hammerheads are uh ichthorian or whatever they're Ichthorian, called. yeah um, you know it, it just it felt like they were using gungan for just that cheap you know just to make the case that you know not every gungan's like jar jar it's like whatever. but i think that's kind of an important thing to make i mean because because well, think about how caricatured the Gungans are in the first place. Like, they basically are a racist stereotype in The Phantom Menace. You know, say what you want about Jar Jar and, you know, whether you hate him or not, you know, that's totally fine. But yeah, the well, Gungans look, yeah, themselves Yeah, look at the rest of them, you know, even, even the ones that are just... Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're portrayed yeah. as a racist caricature, and so I think this... And I'm actually totally okay with this, is that this is Older's trying to turn that on this head. Because let's face it, the prequels were not so great at introducing new races without stereotyping them largely, you know, on other cultures, you know, like the Nemoidians. So I am totally okay with Older using a Gungan in this case to be like, actually, bro, let me stop you right there. Because the the whole portrayal of the Gungans as a species is not great. So I'm totally okay with that. And I agree. That. I totally agree with that. I mean, so why, yes, why even I, use them? 
Use something else, you know? Well, to make that point, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, but that's why a, he's That's doing not that. even a point that really needs to be made. You're taking this this race of, you know, that's that's most iconically a comedic race, you know, and you're putting it in this position, and now it, this this character is putting Han in its place, and it just, I don't know, it just felt like it was, it felt forced and it felt un, unnecessary, and especially because it was a Gungan. You know, okay. Uh, I, I mean, I have a question we, for both of you, though. Right now, while we're yeah. on that, yeah. What did you guys think of the Toydarian, the 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 wingless Toydarian uh, fortune teller? Pretty much. Since we're on the topic of alien species in Star Wars and the stereotypes and, and caricatures they represent, I mean, it was voice acted so much like the one Toydarian we know from the films. <laughs> Who is incredibly stereotyped, also? Um, yeah, but like, okay, so we yeah. got Pikachu's a, a a smart Ewok that went beyond what we would expect from an Ewok. I, the Gungan's name escapes me. Okay, at the moment. wait, but all right, so wait. Now I'm gonna have to stop you there, just because Ewoks, what we see in Endor. They're not stupid. Like, I don't really know why we're trying to equate the fact that they don't have technology is them being stupid. I didn't like, say they, they were stupid. Obviously never, have, never said they were stupid. I didn't say they were stupid. Well, no, but you just, yeah. you just, you I just said. They, said. You, take, you have taken the most primitive race and given them the most technically complicated job in all but, of Star Wars, a slicer. But Adrian, you know the Adrian most advanced level of computer programming, and it's it's too much of a leap for me to go from but, stone axe to you know best slicer in the universe. You know, but but Adrian literally just used smart in describing like. Something that was anti, not an Ewok. I don't know. I can't even remember what you said right now. Well, I, I misspoke, listen, but, I, I didn't but mean, I didn't mean to imply that they were not smart. I'm just saying there is a difference between so, being. I just forest smart. I let guess. Let me tell you and why and you're like wrong with cyber, right? cyber smart, and like with technology. I mean, it is a bit of a leap. I don't have an issue it's, with it in the book. I thought it was funny, but it it's, it it just relates to what we're talking about right now with the portrayal of these. Aliens and what we know about just, them, based on what we know from I the would movies. Just, I would just maintain that, obviously, even though the Ewoks do not have technology in the electric, you know, electronic, you know, like they build droids or they have speeders or whatever, they obviously, you know, they make these traps that involves mathematics and angles and geometry, so... I don't really think that but just that because is so we don't much see more different from zeros and ones a data pad but that doesn't mean there couldn't be minds within the Ewoks as a species that could do that I mean there are examples of you know average people who you know show great aptitude for one thing you know, we come across those examples all the time in our history. So I don't really think. Yeah, Kat, I'm not. I'm not fighting you on the point. Like I, I like. Like I like the Ewok slicer. I thought it was funny, but I'm, I'm just trying to relate it to the overall point 
with the alien portrayals. And it's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Ewoks I- can't have the potential to be slicers or even Jedi or what have you. Just saying- <laughs> I'll say it. I don't think they should. I think it's I think it's a travesty to to take that big a leap in Star Wars. What is it? We're talking about a matter of just a few years between when these char- these same exact creatures were living in trees and playing with vines and sticks and rocks to now all of a sudden they're they're you know super good at encrypting information. That's too big a leap. It's insulting. We need I'm not I'm not saying that there couldn't be a special case, but I feel like this is a forced thing to use Ewoks just to use them. They're outside of what we know as Star Wars. And and sure, you're but it, it brings to me the the point I was trying to make. It's too sometimes these 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 uh, branch off of of the movies can take too many big leaps, too many big things that are just cartoony and and you know here here's Lucas and Lucasfilm and all that stuff. They're creating this world and this extra material sometimes can take these just grandiose things and and really just turn them on their head for no apparent reason, like in the old. EU when all of a sudden Wookiees have these claws that they can only use for climbing trees. It was never in Star Wars and some some move milker author decides to make it canon and now it's a, a thing, well, you know. It's okay, like but, and but the John. same thing with these Ewoks. It's just ridiculous that that these these primitive, the most primitive characters, this cavemen of Star Wars, are now the rocket scientists of Star Wars. Okay. It's too big a leap. I, it's too cartoony, and it's insulting to me. Let me counter. R2-D2 never had rocket boosters in the OG trilogy. Hated that, too! And he suddenly had them in the prequels. <laughs> Hated that! Is that the same neighborhood yes. of... Totally! Same neighborhood! And for Peekpa specifically, I mean, we don't know what Peekpa was doing, or you know, we don't know her life. We don't, we don't know Peekpa. Well, we know, we know she didn't have no computer up in that tree hut. We, she we don't know. No we don't know if she was actually on Endor. Like for all we know, she could have been off of Endor for a while. She could have been. We you're ne- right. we need you're, a Peekpa right. comic. We need a Peekpa you're comic right. too. <laughs> How much backstory is too much backstory? To fill that in we for need us. backstory for every. That's character. probably yeah. I don't know. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, you were the you one know, asking but, that question, John. I don't I don't think we need backstory for every character. Um <laughs> I you know, I will just say like I'm you know, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it's necessarily out of the realm of possibility that if you took an Ewok out of the forest that, you know, you and might taught it find to speak. <laughs> You and then well, and then taught it what computers speak their were. Own language. And then just because she doesn't, and then just because she doesn't speak basic, to, doesn't mean she's stupid. Computer, and then taught it that. Oh gosh, John's not saying she's stupid, Cad. We're not saying she's a stupid character. I'm just but thinking, or, or that Ewoks are stupid. No, they're but they're obviously incredibly of... crafty, and and but they're pr- the whole idea is that they're primitive characters. And that they beat 
the empire who had this this technological might with their basic instruments of sticks and stones and spikes that's, and that's so bugs me from the from right? Return of the Jedi. If I'm honest with myself, that does bug me. But I hey, mean, but they could warfare, use man. they were they were intelligent enough to be able to use those tools, those primitive tools, and still defeat a superior enemy. You know, that was cool. That's what made Ewoks cool to me is as primitive as they were, they could still overthrow, you know, the Empire, at least on the small scale of the little forest moon of Endor, you know, maybe not galactic wide. And, you know, when they try to use technology, it kind of backfires when they zoom away on the speeder and they can't barely hang on and thing blows up, you know. That was the cool part of Ewoks, and now we're now we're supposed to take what made Ewoks cool and shake it up just for the sake of doing it. I don't like that. I just think it's unnecessary. Just give me a good Star Wars story, and it and it was a good Star Wars it story, was. except for those things. I liked them. I thought they were. Fun. I'm I'm I'm, somewhere, I'm between you and Cat right now. I'm like I'm like oh, I'm somewhere in that in that neighborhood because I really I. I see where you're coming from, John, but like Cat, I don't have an issue with him, and I think it was cool and funny in some cases. Well, I mean, I would just maintain that just because she came from a society that does not have technology does not mean that her brain does not have the ability to learn that. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, it's a different level because these are, you know, they're not, to me, Ewoks are just a primitive race. Hold on, hold on. There's something that we have not brought up, though. In Return of the Jedi, the group of Ewoks we saw, anyway, had no idea what a droid was. They saw 3PO and thought he was a god. They had That specific group of Ewoks had no idea and had no concept of droids and that kind of technology from what, from what we saw. Peekpa is related to one of those Ewoks. Chewie saved her sister on Endor, I think is what they said in the book at some point. So keeping that in mind, again, I can see where the issues might stem from because we go from worshiping this golden man, this golden creature that we don't know is a droid, to... <laughs> it's true. I think they even tried to eat R2. R2 was tied up on one of the logs, too. They, they were planning <laughs> on eating R2. Well, we don't know if they were going to eat him so much as just... yeah. They were going to try and roast him, I think. <laughs> And then they they you use sleep you how to use his quote unquote magic to to frying them into helping them. They that specific group did not have any concept of any of that. They didn't of technology of that like, kind of technology droids. Yeah, I guess the other the other thing is like it's one Ewok. It's not all of them. So there was clearly something about. Pikpa, that either she herself was motivated to leave Endor and seek out a different opportunity. And so, you know, who knows? You know, it's, it's not, it's not all of them. It's, it's one, so... It's unnecessary, though. It's totally unnecessary. A slight tangent From a here. Point of view. Slight tangent what? here. Uh, 
I uh, oh, I yes. tweeted uh, I tweeted older about last shot, asking him if Ice and Gore was uh, based off of Herbert West, and he just replied. Uh huh. Oh, just now. Just now, a couple minutes ago. Ooh. Oh yeah, and drum roll. Quote unquote. What did he say? Ha, no, but great connection. <laughs> so that was just me projecting my horror movie fanboyism into Star Wars when given the proper inputs. Well, but I mean, obviously, you know, we're all different people. So, you know, we're all going to take away and interpret some, you know, interpret this a little differently. Like I haven't read Lovecraft, so that doesn't obviously make as much of a connection with me, but you guys, you know, you, you both know that connection and can see that connection. So, I mean, that's cool. And that's the great thing about books and literature in general is that, you know, we can all interpret it in through our various lenses, which are not going to be the same. Whether or not we care about Ewok slicers or not, you know, it's all <laughs> – it all comes down to, you know, your individual interpretation. True debt. <laughs> Pink Paws a punk-ass bitch. That is harsh, John. <laughs> she has done nothing to deserve that title except for be an Ewok slicer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm not going to lie. I was think- not expecting this, this conversation <laughs> to go this route down this path. <laughs> Do we think Lando and Kasha are going to get together and have beautiful blue babies. What if they show up as old people in like this space senior home in episode nine? <laughs> well, we do have, we do have a precedent set already for human slash Twi'lek breeding mm-hmm. in Rebels. I guess a better question is, do you think this relationship is actually going to last? Does Lando have the capacity to maintain a legitimate relationship? Well, and I I think that's that's the big part of the the book is, you know, Lando's growth from being the playboy to, oh, my God, I've got feelings that go beyond a one-night stand. And I think that shows his growth and his, his maturation process. So, hopefully, yeah. It would be interesting to if Lando settled down to live the quote-unquote happily ever after. Well, both these characters are getting their, like you said, their, their midlife crisis. They're, they're middle-aged people now, and they're settling down. You know, Han with a family and, and Lando with a, a serious love interest. And, um, and that's, that's part of their journey now. You know, that's that's part of them growing up and becoming, you know, evolved characters. And it's not too much of a stretch all at once. It's being interesting to see if, like, by some chance, Lando does show up in Episode Nine, and there's no family, there's no Kasha, there's no relationship. And it makes me curious. I want to know more about Lando post-Return of the Jedi. 
post last shot. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like he's kind of making his his own little empire for himself, you know, kind of legitimate um, empire. Droid Empresario. Yeah. Such a fancy Lando title. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lando. I also enjoyed that we got to see, you know, kind of Han and Lando coming to terms a little bit, you know, with what happened on Cloud City. It's just like, oh, yes, two pages. It's not super in depth, but you get, you know, kind of this back and forth where, you know, they're kind of sniping at each other and then, you know, Lando apologizes and Han accepts his apology and says, you know, like, I understand why you needed to do what you did. And Lando acknowledges that and also acknowledges that Han has every right to still be mad about that, you know, basically turning them over to Vader. (laughs) So it was nice to see that acknowledged between the two of them because, you know, everybody's all chummy at the end of Return of the Jedi, but really not all that much time has passed, at least between Empire and Return of the Jedi. I mean, I think at most it's like a year or something. Well, and like and, Han's and, perspective, and, he comes out of Carbon Freeze and, and yep. went into Carbon Freeze the day before, for all we know. Yeah, exactly. And, and wakes yeah. up and goes, you son of a gun. What not, wait, yeah. now you're rescuing me? <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. And so, you know, everyone else has time to adjust to that, and Han doesn't really get that. And so, you know, it it makes sense that even a couple years down the line that he would still be feeling raw about that, you know, and that would could still be a sticking point in their relationship. So it was nice to see that... Like I said earlier, you know, that I feel like this book gives them a lot more emotional depth than what we see on screen. And so it's nice to see their characters grow in that dimension. I like the line, too, where they talk about the Falcon being the ship that made the Kessel Run Mm. in 12 parsecs. (laughs) And Lando goes, it was the ship. The ship, not the captain. And then Han goes, well, the ship's nothing without a good captain. You know? Yeah. Wait, wait, no, that's a good point. Did Lando imply that he made the Kessel Run? No. I think no, Lando implied... No, I think he implied, implied that he just shipped... It was the ship, it not the It was all the, the ship. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I think it makes it canon that it was actually Han who was the pilot at the time of the Falcon. Because Han comes back and counters with that, you know? Yeah, sure, it was the ship, but the captain was me. Yeah. Paraphrasing, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some nice little tidbits in this book, kind of you know thrown almost thrown away, you know about like Han complaining about how meticulous Lando was about keeping the Falcon looking so nice, and he had to come yeah. in and dirty it up. So basically, uh, yeah, it's yeah. canon yeah. that Han is a huge slob, and he right destroyed the inside of the falcon after Which he got it clearly from he did yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know there are some great great tidbits like that i mean i also liked you know han finds out that taka is also from alderaan 
And there's a moment when he acknowledges what Taka and Leia, you know, being his wife, mother of his child, have lost in in Alderaan and that, you know, and kind of having to deal with that. So that was another nice little moment um, in there, you know, nice to see that acknowledged and not forgotten about. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I think there's a lot of things in this book that, that are really things that that were really well executed, really good nods to to the past and and you know great dialogue and that sort of thing uh, you you both know my issues and and for me mm-hmm. those issues were so strong for me personally that it really took a lot of the enjoyability away for me it just it got too silly and too comic book at times and you know and that's my problem with all this you know the books and all that stuff they tend to go crazy like that and that's what drives me nuts Fair enough. <laughs> one one last thing before we wrap up. Uh, what did you guys think of baby Ben? He's hardly a baby. Toddler Ben? Little Ben? Uncle Wando! That was so cute. The, <laughs> the voice acting in the audiobook was especially funny there. <laughs> and when he, when he voices I, Leia too, actually, <laughs> that's funny. His, yeah, his Leia voice is interesting. It's it really is. Well, you, you can only do so much with yeah. you know what God gives you. So he he did an admirable job. I really like the part about Ben where Han is thinking about him, going that here's an old soul that was mm-hmm. brought here to be here in this moment, and he's just got this intelligence behind his eyes that's way beyond him being a toddler and. And I mean, those, those are thoughts that every parent has had of their child, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. the realization that, that the baby you created has this intelligence that's beyond baby, that's beyond toddler, that it's like, there's, there's an individual in there. And I think all of us as parents have, have come to that moment at some point in our child's development where it's like. Whoa, this isn't, you know, this isn't just a little eating and and pooping and crying machine. This is <laughs> this is this is a human, you know. This is beyond that. And it was cool to see that kind of captured and reflected through Han's eyes. Mhm. Yeah. Makes the Force Awakens Agreed. that much more tragic. Kind of does, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what do you say we get to final thoughts on uh, on Star Wars, Last Shot, the story of Han and Lando? Well, I just, I really enjoyed this book, um, despite having differences of opinion over it or <laughs> interpretations. Um, I I did highly enjoy this book. I enjoyed the, the depth that it gave Han and Lando. I liked seeing these new characters introduced again, kind of expanding the star Wars universe and different facets of it. I liked a lot of the little moments we got, you know, domestic moments with Han and Leia Han really being in love with Leia, you know, that really warmed my little shipper heart. Um, 
Han and Leia forever. And realizing you know? how much Leia loved him back, you know, the line where he says, yeah. even even when I'm quiet or silent, she knows what my silence means, you know? Little things yeah. like that. With only somebody who of- has that kind of connection with their partner would really understand. Yeah, the depth of their relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I feel like you know, this novel has a lot of really great little moments. It gives Han and Lando a lot of emotional depth. You know, we get some interesting new characters, maybe for better or worse, depending on how you feel about them. So I I liked it. Adrian? Ditto. I Everything Catray just said and... I'm sorry, John, but I, I like it when my Star Wars gets weird. Again, could just be my horror movie side, just relishing it all. But <laughs> I thought it was—I thought it was great. I love some people. I, I read some reviews online saying that it was kind of slow. I thought it was well paced. I—I I, I had a great time with it. Made me laugh too. And as for me, you know, uh, despite the fact that there's there there are great moments in this book, and the dialogues. Well written. Um, I loved L three. I loved Fizen Gore was intriguing and and spooky at times and a true real villain. Um, the assassination attempt on Lando to begin the book was really kind of a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the silliness was just oh, I'm just so tired of of silliness in in Star Wars and. You know, although there's a place for it, I was really hoping that that this would be a great Star Wars book, and for me, it was just a pretty good one. So, uh, so yeah, it's pretty good for me. <laughs> well, and that that wraps up our discussion on uh, on Last Shot. Uh, as for us, that's going to do it for our episode. Adrian, tell the good people where they can find us. The good people can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Force Fan Podcast. And our website, forestfanpodcast.com. If you guys want to connect with me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BlueLabPro. And my portfolio site, bluelabpro.com, where I am undergoing the 365 movie challenge, but with a cinemagraph twist to each movie. I am tired. I am sleepy. But so far, I'm going strong. So check them out. And Cat Ray, how can people reach out to you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CatRay. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatJohnFred. And also on my Facebook page, John K. Frederick. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And may the Force be with you. And then some. Bye, guys. Bye.